Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. In the early hours of the 3rd of August 2023, the world lost an extraordinary gentleman, Reg Charles. Reg, who had turned 100 early this year, was a veteran of the Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire Light Infantry and landed in Normandy in late July 1944. Reg took part in the Battle for Khan the Battle for Falaise and the Battle of the Bulge, amongst others, before entering Germany and finishing the war in Hamburg. Both Peter and myself visited Reg at his home in Western Supermare just over a year ago, and we were captivated listening to Reg's stories. It is safe to say that day had a huge effect on all of us. It was mesmerising watching Reg cycle the action of an SMLE, wearing a Mark II helmet, and then when shown the haversack, he recited how he had two of them, but mainly because the first one he owned had been blown off his back by shellfire. Reg had a huge sense of pride. He was humble, yet he knew he was part of a special and unique generation that freed the modern world from the clutches of Nazism. Reg enjoyed attending his local war memorial in Western Supermare on Remembrance Sunday and he was often the only World War II veteran in attendance in recent years. He enjoyed nothing more than seeing the school children and sharing his stories with them, yet now he is able to share those stories with his mates, and most importantly of all, reunite with his dear wife, June. Our thoughts go to Reg's daughter Sheila, and the rest of the family who dearly cherished Reg. We hope this podcast serves as a memorial to this man's special life and that you all enjoy his first-hand accounts as much as we do. Today, Pete and I are in the esteemed company of Reg Charles, a veteran of World War II who saw action in the Normandy campaign, liberation of Holland and Battle of the Bulge, to name a few, while serving with the 1st Battalion, Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire Light Infantry. Red was born in February 1923 and joined the army in 1942, joining the 5th Battalion, the Ox and Bucks Light Infantry, before being posted to the 1st Battalion in 1944. So, Reg, tell us about what life was like growing up in the 1920s and 30s before war broke out. It was very different to what it is today. I can imagine. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we didn't... Well, uh, radio sets were just coming in, but only just. Yeah. I, I, I can well recall the, the days of the old crystal set and um, a pair of headphones. Yeah. I, 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 I remember um, my father, we, we were sitting in the uh, room together and he put the headphones in a bowl on the floor and that acted as a as a lady speaker, <laughs> and uh, we were all absolutely amazed to to hear this voice, 
It came from Two Hello, which was London. Yeah. And uh, uh, from, uh, from there, uh, I, I got quite interested in radio. And uh, I, I built several crystal sets to begin with. And then um, I, uh, I I made a... I think it started with a, with a, a one-valve radio set. Yeah. You listen to it on headphones, because the output wasn't sufficient for late speakers. And I increased that from one to two-valve. And I gradually got that up... And, and and finished eventually with with a five valve set, and and that had a, a plugging coils, and a live speaker, which was pretty marvelous. Yeah. Uh, I, I I I used to be a member of what they called the British Long Distance Listers Radio Club, and uh, during during the nights. But uh, my parents didn't—they—they—they uh, uh, they, they didn't know what I was doing during the night. But I—I I was invariably listening to uh, radio stations from uh, various places all over the world. Mm. And if—if uh, if I uh, were really interested in them, I, w- I would write to the uh, broadcasting station. Probably in in America or Australia or more local in Germany, anywhere on the continent, and uh, I would ask them uh, for what they call a verification card, and the verification cards used to come to me, and they would verify that the the report I'd given them was was from their radio station. And I find that quite interesting. Mm. Um, the, the the first I ever saw of uh, of a television was what they called a televisor, uh, and that was a, a rotating disc. You had a, a, a little tiny magnifying glass which uh, was fitted to the to the apparatus. And the the disc, when it got to uh, the, the the correct speed, you 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 get a a, a little picture of uh, something happening. Invariably, because it it would be from the studios in London, but that was quite interesting. And uh, I I never had one of those myself, but uh, I I knew of someone who who did build one, and I used to go and. And watch it with with him. Yeah. So that that was that was my first introduction to television, which was right about nineteen thirty, thirty five, thirty six. Oh, I was only a mere kid in those oh, days. Yeah, yeah. Still, still at school. Yeah. So where did you go to school? Rich? I went to school in the village school. How uh, was it? I, 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 then I was living in Cropperdy. Yeah. And I went to the village school, which which served two villages. It served Great Bolton and Cropperty Village. And the school is situated uh, virtually midway between the two villages. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a small school. The the, the headmaster lit, uh, and his wife, uh, they lived in a house which was uh, built on the side of the school. And uh, they, 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 they were very good in those days. We didn't we, we, we didn't have anything, uh, you know, in the in the way of uh, well, in the way of biro pens or anything that was introduced during the war. Uh, all, all we had was uh, uh, the old uh, steel nibs mm-hmm. and. Uh, 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 co- uh, we had uh, uh, wing ink, which was uh, 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 we used to make the ink ourselves, and uh, invariably you 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 would get a, a big blodge of of the uh, a mixture which hadn't uh, really mixed properly, but um, they uh, uh, they were quite enjoyable days. Mm. Uh, we, we we had what they called the 
um, a school certificate in those days, and you you you, you had uh, an examination at uh, at eleven. If you were brainy enough, you you were sent to, and it was the the county before it's even called the grammar school. It was the county school that that was in Bunbury, mm-hmm. which is about four and a half miles away. Uh, my sister was a little bit older than me and a bit more brainy. Uh, she she managed to get an entrance exam, but I didn't. Right. And so, uh, at, at twelve years of age, uh, my, my father he, he looked into the the costs. I think it was four guineas, four pound four shillings, to go to the uh, uh, county school. But there was a, a private school in the town in Banbury, more of a commercial school, and that was two guineas a term. And so, of course, he chose the two guinea one, <laughs> and, and I, I'm not sure, but I believe he used to pay for that by instalments. Right. <laughs> but money was so tight yeah, in those days, yeah. and uh, I, I, I went there for three years. <laughs> A lot of the time, we we didn't really do any what you call academic work, but. Uh, uh, I had quite a good commercial training, and uh, I left. I left school at fifteen, um, and that that was at Christmas at fifteen. Well, uh, I had a knock at their front door. I went to the door. There was a gentleman standing there. I noticed that he was wearing a little round badge, which was a, a rotary badge. And I didn't know at the time what rotary meant. But he, he was the local, or he had a coal merchant's business in Banbury, and he wanted, wanted someone to, to work in his, in his office. And he, he'd heard that I just left school, and uh, he came out. He came to see me rather than me to go to see oh, him wow. for an interview, uh, and asked me if I would work for him. I think at the time, I told him I I I, I would come and try, but uh, if I found anything more interesting, I wouldn't stay. Well, uh, of course, I I I went there and started in in his office. Found it quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he he was one of the uh, chairman of, of one of the committees in Rotary. He was getting Rotary people coming into the office all the time, and I, I was gradually meet, meeting uh, Rotarians who lived in Banbury. Yeah, and uh, so that got me interested in in the movement more than anything. Um, and um, I, uh, the, the war started in 1939, September 39. I started work in January 1939. Yeah. And, uh, and then when, when, when the war started, uh, I, I, I was a, a little bit of a carpenter. I, I used to enjoy carpentry. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the, the the first thing I uh, I had to do was make some blackout covers to go out over the windows of the office. I I I managed to make those and fit those. I was I got I was interested in electrical work. I had an electrician living next door to me. And in 19, going back again now, going back to, to 1934-35, electricity came into the village of Croperty. Um, and uh, I, I, I went round with him wiring houses, and we even wore the, the village church, which uh, was a hard work because, you see, we hadn't any... No electric drills or anything like that. It, it was all all hammer and chisel work going going through the walls, 
and it was quite a difficult job, but uh, ne- ne- never mind, it got me interested in electricity. And uh, uh, the uh, the office I went to do, I got gaslighting. Oh, I think one of the first things I did was to rip the gaslighting out and put in, put in electricity. And after a little while, uh, fluorescent bulbs came in, fluorescent lights, and I installed fluorescent lights, and and, and, and gradually modernised the whole setup. It, it, it was a, a little bit like a Charles Dickens setup when I went in, <laughs> but uh, I, I changed it over, over the years. So you you modernised property? Yes. Yeah, yes, I I got known in the village because going around, you know, putting in electric lights and things. And I also found out I was interested in radios, and the, I, I I I used to repair the old radio. In those days, by the way, they, they were all battery driven. Mm-hmm. You, you had a, a a dry battery. And a wet battery, the, the wet battery was called an accumulator, which you could have charged every every so often. Um, it, it, it was quite interesting. Mm. I, and the, I, I, if I couldn't manage to repair the set, I, 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 I would probably ta- take it away and gradually work on it at home and eventually get it, get it going yeah. again. Right. Well, where do we go from there? So, we got we, we got to nineteen thirty nine. So you're now working yeah, for the coal uh, merchants yeah. now, aren't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll say the war started, and uh, and of course I I hadn't really got any alternative then, mm. to, just to stay in the same employment. Yeah. Um, I found it quite interesting. I I was de- I was de- dealing with. Of customers that came into the office to to order their their coal, and um, we, we uh, the office and you know, the storage yard was uh, alongside the canal, and we used to get uh, quite a lot of coal coming by by barge uh, uh, until Jerry decided to. Uh, uh, bomb the, the lock. Yeah, lock twenty nine. Yes. We never thought that would happen. No. But, uh, 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 I, I remember all, all the barges loaded with coal. Of course, we're all all the wrong side. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that that wasn't such a, a successful thing. So was you at work that day when the locks got hit? Oh yes. You was. Oh yes. Yeah, they bombed the gas works as well. They did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, and there, and they 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 went up the uh, marketplace uh, with with a machine gun. Mm-hmm. I don't think it did any damage. Any damage. Yeah. Uh, there, there there were one or two lives lost at the gas work. That was yeah. That was about all I think. But um, but that that was our first really experience of war. And um, in 1941, they decided to uh, 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 start um, a, a, a local fire brigade. We only had the fire brigade in Banbury, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they started one in um, in Crawley Village, and uh, I, I decided to become a fireman. <laughs> I don't think we ever we didn't attend many fires. Chiefly, the fires we attended were rick fires in the in the local farms. Yeah, but um, the, the the training was quite interesting. Um, I, I had my first experience of a fire escape in Coventry. That was after the Blitz. We went down to Coventry from uh, from the Bunbury Brigade uh, for extra training, uh, and they, uh, they they just received uh, one of these big fire brigade and uh, escalators, and uh, I, I I went up on that. It, 
that was quite a frightening experience mm. because you see in the only way I've been used to going up ladders against buildings but well, this this was out in the fresh air. Going <laughs> <laughs> straight yeah, up. Oh yeah, straight up. Yeah, about <laughs> about sixty feet. Uh, and uh, as you're go- going up, you, you you can watch the the, the water co- come up the hose following you. <laughs> so you have to get a, mo- a move on to get it to the top quick <laughs> and get a nozzle in before the water got there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I I, I had. A, uh, about 12 months in the uh, early auxiliary for yeah, yeah. forest service and uh, I, I, I had to register then because I was 18 mm-hmm. I had to register uh, for uh, service yep. of some sort and I just I, I, I just left it to the powers that be mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was probably November 1941 I, I I I received papers uh, to go to have a medical exam in Oxford. I went up to have this medical exam. A fellow went in front of me, and uh, he, he he was hobbling very badly. And as he went into me, he said, "They won't pass me." He came out. I said, "How did you get on?" He says, they passed me as A1. They told me that where you're going, the grain isn't level. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, so uh, uh, I, I went in and, and, uh, and I, I got what they call blepharitis in my eyes. I still got the same trouble, had it all my life. Yeah. But all the same, I, I was A1. Yeah. Yes, I, ca- I came back. And uh, in, uh, I suppose it was, it was de- December. I received the call-up papers. No, 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 no choice then to go to the Oxford and Box Light Infantry to go to their uh, training headquarters uh, in Cayley Barracks, Oxford, at the beginning of January. I think it was January the first, actually. Yeah. Well, uh, a bit uh, on the way. I. I had to go into Bunbury to get the train. Yep. I thought, well, I'd better have a haircut because they're bent toward the... I expect to have short hair. I, I, I went into the barber shop in Bunbury, told him what was happening. I said, so give me a short hair. He gave me about the shortest haircut I'd ever had. Got to Oxford, met, met at Oxford Station with a, uh, an army lorry, t- taken to Cowley Barracks, Joined about forty other new recruits. They had us all on, on parade. The officer, it it could have been my father-in-law. I don't really know, but we'll tell you that in a moment. But uh, he uh, he thumped me in the back. He says, "Did you feel that?" I says, "Yes." He says, "I shoot so too." I'm standing on your hair. He says, "Go and get it cut." Well, I didn't like to turn around and say I'd already had one haircut in the morning. So, on your first day out. Yeah, yeah, I, my first day in the army, I had two haircuts. Uh, yeah. uh, now, going on to mention my, my father-in-law, um, he, he was uh, uh, in the um, First World War, and uh, he went in 1916 into the Battle of the Somme, and... He stayed in the army until 1922, coming out as the second lieutenant. Uh, as soon as the second war started, he volunteered again. I don't know. I, I, I don't know whether he, whether he wanted to get away, away from 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 my mother-in-law and <laughs> would have been, or, or or his two daughters. Yeah. But, uh, he he volunteered again. And he he was too old for actual uh, actual service, but they, they they put him in at the depot in Oxford. So it it, it could have been him who told me to get another haircut. I I've no recollection of that. But uh, what war we were in Oxford, we 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 did the usual usual army training, lots of route marches, lots of rifle drill. Um, P 
PT, things that I, I, I never did in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, 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 was, I was there for the first three months in County Barracks, and then um, they, they, they found out that, that I could drive. Well, in those days, very few men were drivers. Surprising that there were very few drivers, and uh, I, I, I uh, was um, given the opportunity of going to Slade Camp, which is just up the road from Kelly Barracks, uh, on a, an MT course. I went on the MT course. Had I had three months there. Some of the time, I was teaching other chaps to drive and. Uh, and we were doing various work on on engines and things like that, and I found that most interesting. And then uh, I, I was uh, posted over to Northern Ireland, and I joined the, the Fifth Battalion. Um, while while I was there, I, I did a three-inch mortar course. Which again was quite interesting. As long as you got your head out the way, you're you're all right. Otherwise, it would get blown off. <laughs> uh, and then after after that, um, there they, again they they found out I knew a little bit about uh, mechanics, and I managed to get into the transport stores, and I stayed at the a transport stallman, right, right, right until I, I went into the 1st Battalion. During the, uh, we, we came back from Ireland in January 1943. Did you uh, see much trouble while you was in Ireland? Uh, not, a, not a lot. The only, the only thing that we, we did do uh, was always make sure that uh, we put the rifles... Uh, underneath the pillow and the rifle sling uh, arrange a wrist mm-hmm. and occasionally uh, they, they would they would break in they were nest nuts break into the into the hut and mm-hmm. if there were any rifles they could get hold of they they, they would but um we we didn't see any real trouble not at that time we had to be very careful mind you because we, we, we you you couldn't go over the border or anything like that. Oh, no, yeah. But um, I, I quite enjoyed Ireland. It's a lovely country, and I I, I found I found the Irish folk quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about our, our Irish folk, adjoining uh, 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 camp, uh, there, there was a field which uh, the. Uh, the officers thought that we ought to be able to turn it into a football pitch, and but it needed rolling, and uh, me I don't know there again why they asked me they they asked me to to go to a farm which was adjoining us uh, to to borrow a, a, a horse a horse drawn roller to roll the pitch. Well, I, I went there on on a Sunday morning. The farmer said, "My boy," he says, "you can have the roller by all means, but you're not going to have my horse. My 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 horse has to work six days a week, and he has Sunday off." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. So, so the, 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 the field didn't get rolled on. <laughs> I thought it was rather good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, no. Yes, I rather, I rather liked that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, well, we, I say we, we, we returned from uh, Ireland. And we, we, we were in various places in England. I think our longest stay was at Great Missenden near Aylesbury. Right, yeah. And there were quite a long, a long stay there, and we uh, then we we went to the uh, Dover, Folkestone, 
how far corner they called out. Right. And in Dover, the, yeah. the Germans used to, uh, they had long range guns and they, 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 they would shell Dover. And the, uh, it was always seen to land in the marketplace in Dover. And always every, every day they, they would do that. We, we were up on, to, on top of the hill, so it, it didn't affect us. We were actually in, in barracks there, Whitley Barracks, and we we we, we had quite a quite an interesting time in in Dover and uh, and in Folkestone, and um, from Folkestone I went to Ashford in Kent, and uh, while we were there, they decided to disband the Fifth Battalion. And uh, I say, being a stormer, I, 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 I was left behind to get get rid of. I wasn't say rubbish, but all the all the odds and ends, bits and pieces of vehicles and things like that. I I, I was driving a, a, a three tonner up to um, a CO the Central Ordnance Depot at Feltham. And we, uh, the vehicles that were left, we took those to Berlin Beaches, and then I, uh, I, I, I was sent to the to the Fourth Battalion. I had a few days in the Fourth Battalion up in Lincolnshire, down to Aldershot, for the in a holding unit there. And after about three weeks, I was posted to France, where I, where I joined the. First battalion, which were already in action. From France, we went the usual run yeah. into in, in, in Belgium, uh, into in, in Antwerp. Um, uh, from Antwerp, we uh, went to the Battle of the Bulge in the Ardennes. That was tough going there because it was all snow and, and ice and uh, it was really icy and really cold. But um, we survived and uh, we, we had about two or three weeks, I would think, in the Battle of the Bulge. From the Battle of the Bulge, we went into Holland uh, and then uh, uh, to... Uh, uh, the the borders of Germany up to the Reuswald Forest. We we, we went into the Reuswald Forest, beginning of February nineteen forty five. That was tough going. Montgomery thought it would be ideal. He he, he knew the winters were pretty hard always on the continent, like like it had been back in uh, January in the old end. But instead of that, it started raining at the beginning of February, and we had about four days of just continuous rain. And instead of uh, going over frozen grain, we were up to our knees in in mud. And of course, that that, that, that hampered everything. Uh, vehicles couldn't get through to us. The, the the only vehicle that could get through was what was called a, a weasel, right. and uh, they they came over from America, yeah. and uh, it it looked a little bit like a Brengun carrier, yeah. but uh, it wasn't armoured in any way. But uh, that they, they they brought ammunition. And food, and food to us. And I say, without the weasel, I, I don't, we, we don't think we would have survived at all. And of course, after the Royswell Forest, we had the crossing of the River Rhine. We went over on a pontoon bridge, right. uh, in vehicles, and then gradually pushed our way through through Germany, finishing up in in, in Hamburg. I think it was about May the sixth or seventh, something like that, and that, and that was where the the war ended. Mm-hmm. Hamburg was declared an open city, which we were more than grateful of because it was a big, a very big city, and uh, 
uh, we, we, we'd all, all, all been uh, told what areas we got to take. And instead of that, we, 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 we just rode in on uh, vehicles. Yeah. And um, we, we were in Hamburg for only about two or three weeks. Then came back down into the Rhineland. Uh, we went into um, Leverkusen, where those two paintings were done. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, while we were in Leverkusen, we, we, we came out of the 53rd Welsh Div and went into the 7th Armoured. Right. And of course, that, that, that meant change all the, all the divisional signs. Mm-hmm. And there again, I, 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 I was asked to get someone to do the painting. And uh, I, I went to IG Farben Industries Works and uh, found someone who could speak good English. And eventually, that, 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 they uh, introduced me to a fellow there who who was quite an artist, and uh, he he did all all the the vehicles, ch- changed them from the the the, the W mm-hmm. uh, uh, divisional side uh, to the Desert Rats, and uh, during that time I say I I, I had, he did two paintings for me as well. I think they cost about 40 cigarettes each. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cigarettes was the main thing for trading in those mm. days. Um, we, we, we were actually stationed um, after that. We, we went um, uh, through uh, Hanover up to Berlin and we were stationed at Spando. And while we were at Spando, uh, our fellows were guarding Hess, mm-hmm. who was in prison there. I, I, I never saw him. I was too busy looking after the transport stores. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say from... Uh, I, I, I had a, a leave... In the January uh, 1946, and I never went back. Yeah. The, the the boss of the firm that I worked for, he was in hospital. I went and took over charge of the business, and uh, I eventually got class B release. Mm. I, I remember it, it got to the last stage of of my leave of, of absence, I went to the into the office in in uniform, complete with a rifle, and wait. Uh, and during that morning on the phone, I, I, I was talking to to the phones to some someone said you did actually, <laughs> and uh, uh, they, uh, the war office broke into the telephone somehow or other. And they said, this is the war office. And they wanted to speak to me. And they told me that they'd granted me class B release. And so I just didn't go back to Berlin. I I, I would have liked to have gone Mm. back, really. But uh, there we are. I I, I thought civilian life would be more important than army life. So going back to when you first arrived in Normandy... So where was the battalion when you joined them? So when you joined the 43rd in Normandy, whereabouts were they when you met them? A midway virtually between uh, uh, Oramange mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Caen. Uh, I, I, I joined on a place called, a little village called Bougie. Right. But uh, they were called dot, dotted around in various mm. villages mm. and um, we went from there to a place called uh, a pier feet mm-hmm. which uh, was about uh, 12 14 miles from Falaise. well after the battle of pier feet uh, we, we had a, a visit from the band 
Right. The bun came over. We we had a, a church parade, much, much to the enjoyment of the, of the French folk there. Uh, and uh, we, we had about, almost been nine or ten days in Pierfeet. And the, and the band went back to England again then. And uh, we, we we went in, into the battle of uh, Falaise. Falaise and the, the uh, uh, closing stages of Corn. And through the Falaise Gap. The Falaise Gap was pretty awful. Um, I, 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 I remember there, there, there were lots of horse-drawn vehicles which the Germans had used and in a lot of cases uh, they, they, they tried to get through the same gateway together and you, and you, you would get a couple, couple of horses and, and uh, they, they just died and were, were blown up on, on, the, on the spot. And, uh, and it, it was the same, really, with with human beings. The mm-hmm. the, the, the stench there was grim because it was still quite hot, hot weather. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was it was quite quite hot in in France, and uh, it, uh, it it was it was pretty pretty awful. And, uh, but there. there uh, that, that that was it. Uh, the, 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 I, I was surprised the way the Germans used horse-drawn vehicles. Mm. So when you sort of um, were in Normandy when you first first landed there, what was what was your role in Normandy? What what did you do? And what was the sort of average day like for you while you were in Normandy? Well, uh, I was I, I was greeted by the adjutant of all people who I already knew, he was already an officer in the 5th Battalion when I was in the 5th, and I knew him from those days. And he he welcomed me, he says, we don't want transport men, we want rifle men. He says, go go to air stores, get, get, get yourself... Uh, some grenades. I hadn't thrown a grenade in my life, and uh, I had to go and get a, a, a bag of, of grenades and some more ammunition, and uh, I just joined folk who I didn't know. Mm. That, that that was one of the awful part about it. Like if we'd have gone into action in as the fifth battalion, we we knew each other. Yeah. Well, a lot of us knew each other, mm. but uh, I just went went and oh, I was given the spade, which was the most important part of the equipment I had, I think, and went 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 and joined another fellow, and. Uh, dug, uh, dug a hole to try to get somewhere safe from uh, shell fire, and uh, I, 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 I was just an ordinary infantry man. Mm. Well, uh, after uh, after a few days, I I, I, I managed to uh, write write a letter home. And, and of course, uh, they, 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 they were all uh, looked up before they were left. And uh, the, 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 the officer who censored the letters, he called for me. And uh, I, I, I went to see him. He says, what do you mean in your letter, your... A, 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 a rain person in a square hole. I said, well, I mean what I say. I said, here, here I am. I've been given grenades. I've had no practice with throwing grenades. I'm given a rifle. 
I'm no longer a rifleman. I haven't been for any two years. He said, well, what do you want to do? I thought, I thought if I could drive something, I would be glad. He said, have you ever driven the brain gun carrier? I said, no, but I'm willing to try. And uh, so the brain gun carrier driver had been taken sick. And I, was, I was given the brain gun to drive. Brain gun carrier, rather. Well, uh, uh, driving a brain gun carrier, look, 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 looking through a, a, a little tiny uh, slit, about six inches by probably an inch and a half, two inches in depth. It's not like driving any other vehicle, but um, uh, and and also in the in the French uh, lanes, it, they filled up the complete width of the road. <laughs> well, uh, uh, after a short time, a, a Brendan carrier driver was posted to the unit, and I was taken off of the Brendan carrier, and. Uh, I was put on to driving a jeep. During the jeep driving, I chief, chiefly uh, uh, tra- transporting uh, sick and wounded. Uh, we, 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 we had a, a structure put onto the jeeps so that you could carry two stretchers over on the top. You had one stretcher by the side of you. And so, so you could you could carry uh, three wounded chaps at the same time. Well, uh, I, 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 I did that for for some time, and then I was back on my feet again. And uh, I'll say that I, I, I went I went through the fillets gap, and we uh, we we marched. Partway into Belgium, and then we were taken by uh, uh, troop carrying vehicles in the, right into Antwerp, and we we, we were done to, at the uh, docks in Antwerp. And I say, uh, after, after that, I was back on my feet again. Um, we left. Uh, uh, the uh, area there in um, uh, what were there? Uh, 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 there were Sherman tanks with a turret taken out mm. and they were put into troop carrying vehicles so that, so that we could go straight into into action and uh, they were called kangaroos I don't know why they were well uh, the, the the weather was so bad that the, the kangaroos started getting into the ditches on on the the roads. The uh, truck vehicles weren't very good, and uh, they took us out of the kangaroos, and we had to wait for about four four hours for more troop carrying vehicles to come, and and they 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 took us into the Ardennes. And uh, we went into through Neymar, into into a place called Marsh, and we 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 were stationed there for about a fortnight. I was uh, I was given a jeep again to drive there, and um, we 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 had a, a forward platoons, which uh, I I I had to go and uh, take food to. During the night time, I I I I I would follow through some of the forest. They 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 cleared a track of mines, and put down a white tape to show you where to go. The white tape showed up ever so well against the snow. So I, 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 I used to pick up the white tape with one hand and steer the jeep with the other, and and, and take take the, the take the food up to the forward of the platoon, and then uh, any casualties, bring them back. This would probably be between ten o'clock and midnight, 
And then, then, then again, about four or five o'clock in the morning, I would take more food for them and bring back any more casualties. And, uh, uh, and that, that was virtually my, my day's work yeah. in, the, in the Ardennes. Uh, we, uh, I was with company headquarters, uh, and we, we, we were uh, taking over a, 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 a little tiny waterworks. It was about 10 feet under the grains. It was fairly safe. And uh, we, we, we were there well, all the time that I was in, in the old Ardennes. And I say, uh, after that, it was back into Holland, various battles in Holland. Mm-hmm. So Sogenbosch was quite a big one, and uh, the Roermond. And, uh, and up to uh, the Eight Skirts, we, 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 we had... Uh, se- several days in a, in a big monastery, I think it was called Namor, I believe, but it was a big forest, a big monastery, and the whole brigade were there together, and uh, it, there was must have been three or four thousand men, and we we, we waited for the uh, uh, signal to go. To go into the Royceville Forest, we 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 knew when that was going to happen because they 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 started a a, a, a gun barrage at about half past four in the morning, and kept it up for about four and a half to five hours. By the time that had finished, we could hardly hear ourselves speak, and. Uh, uh, we, uh, we went, <laughs> rather amusing, they, they trust the oxen books, but we had a bugler, uh, 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 and he, he, he played Revelle as we went into the, the Royce Hall Forest. <laughs> uh, uh, there, there was a, a Highland arrangement with us, yeah. <laughs> and they had their uh, um, uh, bagpipes, and there were some Welsh boys, and they sang. Yeah. And uh, I say, they were, we, we were in the Royal Hall for two to three weeks, which was pretty pretty grim going because the, the, the weather was so bad again. Mm. After that, it was eight in, into Germany, across the River Rhine, and keep on going till we eventually landed in Hamburg. So the 53rd Welsh Division, you, you lot took part in Operation Market Garden, didn't you? Yes. So what, what, what was it like being part of such a big operation? Or Well, the whole trouble was with, 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 with that, uh, we couldn't get to it. Mm. Uh, it, it uh, as you know, it was an airborne operation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we we were supposed to join up with them, uh, but uh, the uh, German defences were were too strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we were we were on the road going to Nijmegen, and uh, I think we were probably eight or ten miles away, and that was as near as what we got, and and and, and of course. It, it, it was just a very unfortunate happening. Mm. We lost lots of, uh, of, of men that they were, they were shot at as, as they were coming down in, in their parachutes. You yourself, being involved in that operation, did you think, I'm part of something really big here, or did you just think, oh, we we're, we're just moving? We, we didn't course. really know. Didn't know. No. I think that was. I think that was one of the uh, the drawbacks. Mm. Uh, a lot of the time, like uh, right the way through, we we we, we didn't we did we didn't know uh, whether we were going the right way or the wrong yeah. way. So is that a case of then, like, after the war, when you say you was maybe reading reading a book or watching yeah. watching something on the telly, you went, 
would you like look and go? I was there actually. Oh, I yes. remember this. Oh yeah. Oh, yes. oh, Operation Market yeah. Garden. Is that yeah. what they called it? Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 we didn't know it was going to be yeah. called Market Garden. Yeah. So what I mean is, like with some of these uh, operations that you was involved in, obviously Market Garden being one of them, it's after the war that you found out the bigger picture of what was going on. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that that was what one of the. The, the, the drawbacks, I suppose, mm. to a certain extent. Yeah. We just took it for granted that the officers and NCOs who were in charge knew what they were doing. Yeah. I think in some cases they probably didn't. <laughs> <laughs> One question I really wanted to ask, and we've had a couple of people pretty much ask the same question as well is what what is it like to be now obviously a veteran of the second world war do you feel that people understand and value what you and your mates did i think the actual younger generation do i think the middle age don't really think much of it in fact, in fact some of them don't, don't even know there was a war but uh, in the schools, uh, the, the children are, are beginning to have been taught something about the Second World War. And uh, the, the, there are several schools which I've asked to be uh, and have visited in Western Supermare, and they are really keen. It's, uh, which is good, because... If they're keen, they'll probably pass it on to their parents, and their parents who who are not so keen mm. might might want to learn more about it. Yeah, uh, we, we 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 are we are respected, I think. Yeah, um, I, I noticed uh, well uh, uh, two two years ago. Uh, at the at the wreath laying ceremony at the memorial in the uh, in the park in the town here. Well, when, when I walked up with my wreath, I suddenly collapsed. I didn't clap for anyone else, but they clapped for a Second World War veteran, yeah. which was very moving. Yeah. Whether they'll do the same again in a fortnight's time, I don't know. Well, I think they will, won't I? <laughs> yeah. This would be a very different country if, if we hadn't won. Very scary to think what might and could well have been otherwise. Of course, the thing is, we were never invaded, which was a godsend. Yeah. That's why uh, we get such wonderful welcomes. In, in Holland and Belgium and France, yeah. like, like they, 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 they still appreciate it and look upon us as the liberators. Did you find that quite welcoming back during the war, as you was going through these places? Was you welcome with open arms then, or did um, it take some time? Yeah, we're, we're, we're quite welcome. We, we had a fairly warm welcome, mm. even in France. Yeah. You know, by, by the French. <laughs> when I was awarded the Legion d'Honneur, mm. I, I, I said to the French representative there, I said, I do apologise for all the, all the damage we, we, we did while we were in France. But I said, it wasn't their fault the Germans didn't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, Reg, on behalf of myself and Steve, thank you very much for allowing us to come well, and sit with well, you today. I hope it will be of interest to oh. you and all the folk. Yeah, well, we, we've been all ears for the past, well, I say an hour. We, we've already been sat with you over an hour before we started the podcast. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And we've documented it now, you know, not everything, but that, you know, that small little piece of history we've uh, managed to document for future generations as well, Rich. Yeah. yeah, so thank you very much for for allowing us to come and uh, listen to your experiences. 
It's been absolutely fascinating, hasn't it, Steve? Absolutely, and it and it's worth worth sort of highlighting the fact that we as a generation, you know, cannot ever begin to understand what people like you and your mates went through to secure our future, and we should be, and indeed we are, ever so thankful for everything that you guys did. So, on behalf of our listeners and ourselves, thank you. They shall not grow old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them.